0: The Emerald Couch Podcast is a weekly conversation with Dr. LaKeitha Poole, a licensed professional counselor in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, about all things mental health and personal growth. The Emerald Couch Podcast is the go-to pop-site dialogue for self-help, good laughs, and real talk. This podcast is not meant to be a substitute for seeking support from a licensed mental health professional and is for educational and entertainment purposes only. For more information about counseling and therapeutic services, or for assistance in connecting with a therapist in your area, visit our website at www.smalltalkcounseling.com. Let's start the show. Couch listeners, welcome back to another episode. Thank you all for always listening in week to week, um, whether that's through Apple Podcasts or on SoundCloud. This is your host, Dr. the Poole, and I'm super, super excited about today's episode. So we're talking about very important topic um, but of course, before we jump into it, I just want to make sure that you know where to keep this conversation going. So of course, on our social media, Instagram, which is at go Small Talk Counseling and go for my Louisiana folks, it's spelled G-E-A-U-X, um, or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Small Talk Counseling, as well as you can submit your questions for the show on SmallTalkCounseling.com, um, which is where you can find all past podcast episodes, our blog, um, and just other opportunities to share and connect. So we're going to jump into this week's episode. This is episode 24, um, which is very exciting that we've been going for this long, this many weeks. Um, And today's topic is a topic that's often not discussed as much. And I think that's because there's a lot of Um, just sort of stigma around making it something that's publicly discussed, especially within certain communities. Um, And so we're going to have a conversation about suicide and prevention. And so for those of you who maybe are not in the clinical world to know that September is Suicide Prevention Month. And so the whole goal of even bringing this to light and um, particularly around um, the suicide Um, national suicide hotline is to focus on erasing the stigma and so we are trying to do our part today on the emerald couch to also help to do that and so to have this discussion i have one of my very close friends who is here with me and i'm so excited that she is here um in the office with me we're we're sitting across from the emerald couch we're looking at it but you know we're here um And so I have with me Mrs. Gwinnett Johnson Who is um, an LPC supervisor Um, And so I will let her kind of introduce herself Before we jump into our conversation today
1: So hey Gwinnett, welcome Hello, how are you? I'm good, thanks Mm. for being here Thanks for having me Of course I'm so excited about being here on the Emerald Couch To Mm. talk about suicide prevention Mm -hmm. and awareness Mm -hmm. um, During the month of September Yep Um, And it's actually the end of Suicide Prevention Week as well. Yeah. So um, my name is Gwinnett Johnson, Mm -hmm. and I am a licensed professional counselor. Um, I have over 13 years of experience in in the field of professional Mm -hmm. counseling. Um, Right now, I maintain a private practice, guided journey counseling and consulting LLC, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I'm also the clinical director and clinical supervisor at a mental health agency in the Baton Rouge area. Mm -hmm. Um, Some of my specialties or areas of focus is depression. Um, I work with clients with depression, anxiety, uh, life transitions. Uh, Relationship problems and also uh, career development. So Mm -hmm. that's a little bit about me, and I'm happy to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to
0: have you. And obviously, we're gonna let you all know how to find Gwinnett after this conversation is done, especially if you're in the Baton Rouge area and you're interested in um, chatting with her in a therapeutic way about any of those areas that are her specialties, as well as maybe even this. Um, topic today, or if you're interested in becoming um, a mental health clinician, she's also a great person to connect with because of all of her years of experience. So you all know whenever we bring up a topic, I know that many people who listen um, are not mental health clinicians. So I always like to give you a little bit of background on the topic um, with some statistics and just give you guys a little bit of info before we start our discussions with our guests and get their insight and expertise. So Um, I just want to fill you all in on kind of what's been happening this month around suicide prevention and what um, folks are doing to bring awareness, which again, I hope we're doing by doing this show today, but also then just to give you some general um, information to take with you as um, you incorporate some of this maybe into um, your toolkit of how you navigate this topic as well. So. Just to jump right in, I mentioned um, right when I kicked off the show about the suicide prevention lifeline. um, That is really where the majority of probably information that most people know about it um, comes from and so just to give you a little bit of background on them so they are really like the go to place around information but really that that hotline itself is what is often given out by clinicians as a resource for people so they have a text line you can call um, and this is for somebody who maybe is experiencing both Passive or active suicidal ideation And really just need somebody to talk to Because maybe they don't have a clinician That they see regularly And they just need to be able to talk Or maybe it's a friend of yours And you don't really know what to do to support them So anyone can call Um, And so right now for this month Their campaign has been around Be The One um, and this is basically a way to support suicide prevention and help people in crisis. And so be the one to make that call. Be the one um, to admit to how you're feeling. Um, and so if you are on social media in any form, if you put in that hashtag, you will see tons of people sharing their stories, sharing um, resources, sharing their clinical perspectives. And so it's a great way to just kind of gain some general information. So the suicidepreventionlifeline.org is great resource, great site. So just to give you some general information, I want to kind of define what suicide is. Talked a little bit about like, who's at risk? But I mean, there's a lot of people I think who could be at risk and that's why I think this topic ends up being something people shy away from because people don't want to admit um, to feeling these things or having these thoughts. Um, and then we're gonna jump in just to some questions with our guests and hopefully have great conversation. So just some general definitions. Um, Suicide itself is when people direct violence at themselves with the intent to end their lives um, and then they die as a result. So a suicide suicide, and suicide attempt are two different things. Um, and what people also don't realize is suicide is actually the leading cause of death in the U.S. So more than homicide, more than car accidents, any of those things, suicide is the number one. And so when somebody makes a suicide attempt, that means that the, the suicide was unsuccessful. And so this is when, similarly, people want to harm themselves um, and have the intention to end their lives but they do not die as a result of their actions. And so um, actually more people end up surviving suicide attempts than who actually die, but they often end up with very serious injuries, both physically and even the mental pain of realizing that, you know, they maybe attempted something they didn't originally um, expect to go the way it did and having sort of those like emotional scars as well. And so um, while it doesn't always end up in a physical injury, there are a lot of mental and emotional Um, injuries that result after a failed suicide attempt. So just to give you some ideas of the type of folks that are at risk, I think because again, people sort of label um, what these people can look like. And we've talked about on the show, like when both um, Kate Spade and Anthony Bourdain, um, you know, committed suicide within a week of each other. Those were folks that caught, it caught people really off guard because they never would have suspected with both of them being high profile, famous people, celebrities, um, that, you know, they would ever do anything like that. People always assume, well, you have fame and fortune, then you should be happy. Um, but there's really not a single way to pinpoint the type of person that that may um, commit suicide or attempt suicide. And so there's a number of factors that can increase a person's um, risk for attempting or dying by suicide, but that doesn't always mean it will be successful like we just talked about. And so some of these suicide um, risk factors include previous attempts, a history of depression or mental illness, alcohol or drug abuse, a family history of suicide or violence, physical illness and ailment, feeling alone. Um, Any of the things that we've talked about Too on the show that could be Mental health concerns um, Serve as risk factors for suicide And so it affects everybody In in the grand scheme of things It's not even a particular group But of course men are more Four times uh, more likely than women To actually die from suicide However women are more likely To express the thoughts around it Um, Which is interesting I think in a lot of ways Because you know that means like men are making non-fatal attempts, um, whereas women maybe are expressing it more and maybe not even going through with the attempts at all. So again, these are things that we'll never probably be able to fully grasp the how and the why based on sort of gender differences, um, but they do exist. The prevalence of suicidal thoughts and planning and attempts um, is significantly higher among young adults age 19. Um, 18 to 29 um, Then among adults Over 30 um, So there's a very critical window Between 18 to 29 too Where you're more susceptible to Some of the things that come with um, Being risk factors for suicide And then there are other groups um, Around like culture That have higher rates of suicidal behavior Including um, Native Americans And Alaskan Natives Rural populations And also active or retired military personnel Um, And so we could probably do a whole other show even about some of these special populations because there are certain reasons and risk factors even involved with like those jobs or those sort of cultural groups um, that make them more susceptible as well. So just to give you an idea, we're going to get into this a little bit more too with our guests, but like give you guys some warning signs and then some things to think about with prevention um, and then we'll get into our interview portion, but Some of the things, if you are a person that is worried about someone that you know um, that you could be looking for would be someone thinking about um, wanting to die or talking about wanting to kill themselves, looking for ways to do so, um, such as maybe searching online or buying a weapon when maybe in the past they would have never done something like that. Um, Talking about feeling hopeless or, or having no reason to live anymore. Um, Feeling trapped or talking about feeling trapped um, Or an unbearable pain that you just can't take anymore Being a burden to others Um, Increasing their their risk-taking behavior So alcohol, drug abuse Um, Being kind of agitated and anxious And behaving very recklessly Again, that sense of like not caring about their lives And being hopeless Um, Sleeping too little or too much So we know that's affiliated with depression a lot of times withdrawing and isolating themselves as well. Um, showing rage or talking about like revenge seeking and then displaying extreme mood swings. Now, of course, even though these are warning signs for it, there's no like perfect combination for you to be able to look at these and say, oh, oh my gosh, I'm so, you know, concerned about my friend because they're showing all of these symptoms. Like we mentioned earlier, um, depression and anxiety are both um kind of precursors sometimes to suicide. And so just because somebody is experiencing depression or anxiety doesn't mean that they are going to attempt um, or even thinking about it. But just so you have an idea of where these things can lead, these are some of the warning signs. On the prevention side of really trying to think about like what you can do to help, obviously knowing that suicide is a public health problem because of the fact that it's the number one Um, Way in which we are losing people In the United States And so obviously there's a lot to learn About preventing it And we can't cover it all in this podcast And so one of the ways Is just what we just talked about Learn the warning signs Um, Know how to be comfortable talking with people about how they're feeling, what their thoughts are, um, being able to pay attention to the way in which you can be supportive to somebody who's feeling hopeless. All that's really, really critical. And then, of course, creating a safe place for them to do that. So strengthen your connections with your friends. Like people always use like the hashtag, like check on your strong friends. But do you really do that? You know, making sure that. You think about what that looks like connecting with family and friends that maybe um, are, you know, veterans or active military. Like just kind of knowing some of those things we talked about and checking with those folks really helps to make um, prevention more prevalent because you're you're being more vigilant about it. And so, again, very small bit of information around what um, suicide and suicide prevention looks like, um, but just to give those of you all who maybe have no background in this at all, just what it can look like, Um, because I also think that helps to erase, like, stigmas, because there's a lot of, like, stigmas and misinformation about suicide and how it works. So hopefully that gives you guys just a little sneak peek. Obviously, do your due diligence. Go visit the suicidepreventionlifeline.org to learn even more about it. So we're going to hop in with our guest, um guest expert, I know she doesn't want to be that, but she is, no, um, an to expert. me, <laughs> just an advocate. a very, a very great advocate around this topic, um, so Gwinnett, just share with us, just to start, like, why do you think, like I just mentioned, there's stigma, there's mm-hmm. a lot of taboo around this topic, I don't right. even know if, and I'm a podcast kind of junkie, I don't think any of the mental health podcasts that I listen to have ever talked about this. Um, Why do you think there's such a stigma and it's so taboo?
1: Well, you just said it not long ago. Misinformation. Mm -hmm. uh, Misunderstanding. um, You know, what mental illness is. um, Ignorance. Yeah. Fear. Yeah. You know, the list goes on. Mm -hmm. Uh, Being, labeling, being, the fear of being labeled. Yeah. You know, those individuals who or uh having suicidal ideations. Audi- That's why they don't say anything mm-hmm. and they isolate themselves because they don't want to be labeled because of the stigma mm-hmm. that um has been attached to mental health and suicide. Yeah. So um yeah, it's it's a lot.
0: Mhm. One well, it makes me think of like people that we see in news stories who, you know, it's like Um, both a homicide and a suicide they are often isolated they've often been like um separated maybe from that person especially when you see like it's a married couple or something like that all those things you just said um I don't that clicked for me when you said that I'm like yeah it makes sense too when we see even some of our school shootings that happen and then the you know assailant ends up killing themselves and because they just Literally felt picked on Or you know Isolated in some way Chastised and labeled mm-hmm. By people um, To the point where They got that sense Of hopelessness And felt like They had nothing to lose And right. I think people Often go through that Which is
1: sad it's, Right yeah. Right And they often Don't talk about it mm-hmm. Before
0: mm-hmm. Before they take action They take action Right exactly. I agree I agree And so Within that We know Just like mental health In general Like suicide prevention or even talking about it is even more stigmatized in like communities of color and certain marginalized groups i mentioned like veterans and um you know native americans but like why do you think that is even more so for like specific populations
1: well i think it could be a a number of reasons Mm -hmm. um number one religious beliefs Yeah. yeah Um, in some religions, it's uh, considered a sin. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you're told that you're going to go to hell yeah, uh, for doing that. Yeah. And, you know, that's, that contributes to the stigma. It contributes to the isolation mm-hmm. or the labeling mm-hmm. that the person who is having those ideations uh, feel. Mm-hmm. Um, also, the lack of knowledge... Again, about yeah. mental health and um, some 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 populations, they don't talk about uh, their problems. Mm-hmm. You know,
0: yeah, you're taught to isolate, right? Like, right. Yeah.
1: You don't talk about your problems mm-hmm. to anybody. We'll, you know, work with it mm-hmm. with, within the family. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes, you know, you need that um, medical help. Right. Right. You need a, another. Party an outside person, an outside person yeah. to help you uh, through a particular situation, mm-hmm. um, and you know they say, "I don't want them in my business" right. and things like that. Yeah.
0: So yeah, the stigma is like not that it's way different for people of color for marginalized groups, but it's like intensified almost right. because of some of the cultural traditions, religion, right. and right. yeah, it it in some ways though is even more risky because then you know you feel maybe uh like you're betraying your family by going to seek support or telling somebody that you feel that way right which probably is already a result of feeling isolated feeling you know so it's almost like a cycle right and it all
1: it can also be a sign of weakness yeah in some uh, Some cultures cultures. as well Mm
0: -hmm. and so I think even just thinking about like our experiences like as clinicians I know for me in school was probably the first time of even talking or thinking about like suicide so like as a woman of color because I chose to go to school for mental health Mm -hmm. I learned about it but Mm -hmm. like in my family structure or people talking about that I don't have any recollection of that being you know a common discussion Um, right
1: right well, is mental illness. Right. Kind of exactly. Discussion?
0: Exactly. And so that in itself says a lot about, you know, we just, we don't make room to talk about it, even right. though it obviously is happening. Um, it's happening in all communities. And so right. people sort of assume like, oh, you know, black and Latino people don't do that. Like it's these, you know, they throw out these like sayings about that when actually it happens it can happen to, to anybody anyone. it's
1: no one is no mm-hmm. particular population or race mm-hmm. is exempt
0: mm-hmm. from it mm-hmm. so you've been in you know private practice you've been a clinician for many many years um what experiences either have you had around suicide prevention just as a mental health professional in general like challenges positive moments like what what is Sort of your experiences just with this topic in general.
1: It's not um, a lot. Um, my clientele, you know, varies. My, mm-hmm. most of the clients that I see are having some form of depression. Um, not many that are that have expressed uh, any suicidal thoughts or mm-hmm. ideations. Um, But I will say in the mental health rehabilitation arena, Mm -hmm. I have come across some um, clients who actually express some thoughts Mm -hmm. uh, without a plan or intent, Mm -hmm. but have had some thoughts of uh, suicide. And in that area, you know, a safety plan is my go-to I'm always referring to the crisis hotline. Mm-hmm. We have the uh, phone, the phone um, here, yeah. here in Baton Rouge, yeah, um, as a, a way for people to talk to to, to someone when they're having those thoughts. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my first go-to is just to uh, do a safety plan to make sure that they have the support system mm-hmm. in place. They know the coping skills. Um, and they have the resources um, that where they can connect themselves yeah. to whenever they have those thoughts.
0: Yeah. And I think like that's probably a critical piece as somebody who's in both community agency work and private practice. Like right. you, ha- you almost have to be prepared just in case, even mm-hmm. though it may not be, um, you know, that that person's going to walk in. Because probably what we also can if we have to track trends. Most people who are actively engaged in therapy probably won't be actively suicidal, right? Um, but it does come up. Right. It's usually people who probably, like we just finished talking about, who've never sought services because you know it's stigmatized and they worry about being labeled. But every now and then, when you have that person, you have to be ready, right? Um, to make sure that you know, because it, it literally is a matter of life and death. Like people use that phrase loosely, but right. it really is critical. Right. So being prepared is like just very important right um I think one of the things that I thought of too when you were talking and I think I mentioned this in the intro part just of how like having other mental illnesses makes you more susceptible to committing suicide so I think of like clients that I've had that have like bipolar disorder Mm -hmm. and the bipolarism isn't what's making them suicidal but it's the stress and the strain of going through this vacillation of moods, moods and like yes. to the point where they're like I'm so exhausted by this like I don't want to be here right um and so in those moments for our clinicians that are listening you know that is always something that can come up and so like, the obviously the hope is that you don't see it often but when you do to realize that like It exists It's not just something That only happens Because somebody is just So depressed Or so isolated It could be someone Who you see every week um, And yet You know Maybe for the first time After seeing them for a year They're like I'm just exhausted I'm tired Mm -hmm. Um, And just like you mentioned Being able to know How to immediately Go into safety planning mode Is like Critical It's like almost life saving
1: Or just asking
0: Mm -hmm. Being not afraid to
1: ask Yeah Right Yes I mean that's the first step to ask mm-hmm. be the one to ask mm-hmm. you know? be the one right and it's just as simple as are you having suicidal thoughts mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so um, it's it's very important to open up that um, window of conversation to have that conversation and I think that's uh, something that we should all we can all do just mm-hmm. not, not just clinicians right but we can all, help erase that stigma and change the conversation by just being there for someone who may be, who who may be struggling. They may Mm -hmm. not have a mental illness, you know, they just may be struggling Mm -hmm. and you may notice a change. So be the one to ask, you know, what's going on. Yeah.
0: And just being able to sort of know that, um, you know, their life is in your hands and whether you're a friend, a parent, you know, like being able to be that person that isn't afraid Right To bring it up to them Is critical So So for my last question Just any like Tips that you might have for those who Work in the field or um, Important tips for listeners Or both either one so
1: So for mental health professionals um, From my research um, That I've been um, Reading There are like specific um, Suicide uh, trainings mm-hmm. uh, for mental health professionals. Well, not only mental health professionals, but uh, physicians, mm-hmm. nurses.
0: Like many medical.
1: Yeah, anyone in the medical uh, field. Mm-hmm. And what they're saying is that we are trained, especially the LCSWs mm-hmm. um, and LPCs, mm-hmm. um, like us, they're, we're trained in treating the illnesses, the mental illness, but we're not. Uh, treating the suicidal risk mm-hmm. that the that the client may be experiencing, so that type of training um, exists, yeah. and so that may be something that we all can should look into. Could, could yeah. look into. Um, there's suicide specific training, um, and there are screening to specific screening tools that we can be trained on. Uh, specific interventions mm-hmm. for uh, individuals who are at risk of uh, suicide mm-hmm. and um, also specific resources yeah. that we can refer the, our clients to. So that's something that I've been looking into yeah. um, lately and I'm trying to see how I can to get uh, more get more specific training mm-hmm. on um, suicide or risk yeah. in the clients.
0: Well, and I think like we were talking about, because it doesn't happen as commonly mm-hmm. in like, you know, private practice settings or really in a lot of settings because again, most people who are actively suicidal aren't engaged in, um, therapy, therapy. regularly. Right. And so, you know, without us maybe making sure that we do pay attention to that and get specific training around it we could end up being unequipped to know what to do right? Um, or be right. caught off guard um, around like being able to know what to do so it is important and just like we would with any of our other skills and theories and practices right. we would get more training to be prepared so right. this isn't any different than right. that
1: and the, the training is more of the suicide assessment mm-hmm. the treatment of it and the risk management mm-hmm. of it which and are so, like the critical parts which yeah. right and we don't we don't we didn't get that in our program, mm-hmm. you no. know. It's, our program was very, you know, detailed right. in what we the learned. The active
0: clinical part. Right, right. Mm-hmm. But not
1: in certain aspects of mm-hmm. the mental health yeah field. So. Yeah. so clinicians who are listening get more training. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And for... Um, the listeners that aren't clinicians, mm-hmm. um, just know the warning signs. You know, it can be prevented, you know, mm-hmm. and that's why we have a, 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 pre, a suicidal prevention month and a mm-hmm. week and a, a World Suicide right. prevention, prevention Day. Day. Yep. Um, you know, pay attention to your loved ones. Talk to your loved ones who may be struggling. Um, and it could be, you know, I guess just like I said before, it could be just asking the question, you know, Mm -hmm. how are you doing? Um, Are you struggling? You know, are you thinking about killing yourself? Mm -hmm. Um, I know, I remember when I took the uh, training for suicide uh, prevention through the Crisis Intervention Center, Mm -hmm. Um, that was the one thing that they taught us. You know, if you Saw someone or was meeting, uh, talking to someone that was exhibiting those signs. Just ask. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, so that 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 is very important. It you know helps us to erase the stigma associated with suicide and mental illness. Mm-hmm. Um, so just be open to to have a conversation about it. Don't be so quick to dismiss someone who say they may be you know down on their look or you know don't be so quick to call them crazy or just to say you know oh you'll be okay go go pray about Mm -hmm. it right yeah be there in a um a different way you know Mm -hmm. have try to have a conversation yeah so that that those are my tips
0: yeah I mean I think you know our goal today for sure was to spread the message of prevention I love Gwinnett that you said like it can be prevented. So mm-hmm. we're not hopeless in you know this um, topic around suicide, but it's just us being more informed. And so obviously we hope this episode gives us more information on ways to do that. Um, we've mentioned, both of us, a lot of different resources, both for clinicians and non-clinicians, um, just ways for you to, to gain more information. So it doesn't stop with just listening to this podcast. Um, you definitely need to think about, um, more ways to do so. Um, and so of course, just in case people did not catch it at the beginning, if you or someone, you know, is thinking about suicide, make sure that you contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-TALK. That's 1-800-273-8255. So be that person that, um, is that support. Be the one to be able to speak up about suicide, about prevention, about being that, that person that somebody else may just need to be able to let them know that the thoughts that they have, you know, are normal, but that you want to keep them safe. And so being able to help them do that is super, super important. So I hope that this information has been useful for all of you. Um, and so that brings us to the end of this segment. But I definitely, obviously, want to thank my special guest, who's she's sticking around for a little bit longer. But um, Gwyneth, how can people like reach you, especially if they are interested in therapy or if
1: they just want to follow up um, more about what you do? How can people find you? Okay, so you can find me on Instagram um, mm-hmm. at guided journey, and I also have a Facebook page, um, guided journey counseling and consulting. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can, if you're looking to have therapy, or just want a consultation um, to see if therapy it would be is is something that you would want to do, um, you can email me at gjcounseling at gmail dot com, or uh, you can give me a call at two two five three eight four zero five one six. So that's how you reach Mrs. Gwinnett
0: Johnson, and so obviously thank you so much you did such a great job thank you for having me
1: I I appreciate you I mean I know I don't know why I don't know why
0: that's what the Emerald Couch does it's the power of the (laughs) Emerald Couch um you come and you feel at home so she's gonna stick around for a little bit we have our two signature segments coming up well we have three but we only have two today um after the break Hey, Emerald Couch listeners! We are back with the second half of our show. This is where we cover our signature segments, and so first up is our Pop Psych Moment of the Week. Um, and so, I want to bring up a topic that fits sort of within what we've been talking about today with suicide and suicide prevention, um, but also sort of um, maladaptive behaviors. And so, most people, if You follow social media, particularly um, various music artists, you maybe have read or seen information about the recent drug overdose um, of Mac Miller, who's famous rapper with a history of substance abuse, um, who recently passed away as a result of a drug overdose. And so... More than likely, you've seen like all these, you know, very long messages of support from fans and celebrities um, in the social media community in general. But what I I think for me um, as a clinician and just as a person is wondering about like, you know, where were his like nearest and dearest friends and not just as a result of him passing away, but just for anybody who falls into sort of the trap um, of what drug addiction and abuse um, ends up kind of doing to people's lives and so at what point do any of us decide that you know we're not going to worry about like offending the person or being overly critical um, because that ultimately may become more dangerous than somebody who maybe has an issue or is addicted um, than their actual behaviors of using and us sort of tiptoeing around it doesn't really offer them the support that we think it does by not Uh, Maybe letting them know how we feel about their use and also how concerned we might be about Mm -hmm. their safety. So, you know, most users don't often see the issues in their excessive use until it's too late, until we end up with a situation kind of like this where he definitely, from what I've read, had, you know, a former girlfriend who's also a celebrity who was definitely um, supportive of him getting help He himself had also in the past mentioned that he did not want to be known as one of those celebrities that, um, you know, use drugs heavily and, and end up losing their life because of it. And so, of course, it's so sad and unfortunate for it to sort of end up this way because at the end of the day, maybe there were people in his lives who just weren't willing, similar to what we talked about with suicide, to ask the question of like, you know, are you still using? How much are you using? What does that look like? But also being that watchful eye, um, you know, in in maybe his everyday life to be able to see and look for the signs of depression, um, look for the signs of use, and then to really be willing to ask and do something about it. And so Obviously, knowing that an admission to the problem is a critical step, but obviously the support of the people um, in sort of approaching or or challenging maybe even that person around the issue is also really, really critical. So just being able to really think about what this looks like. And so being able to like do that on, you know, uh, often basis or I hate to say daily, but being watchful around what that looks like for people um who are struggling with substance use and abuse is really important so Gwyneth, any thoughts about that topic um I'm not a huge like Mac Miller follower so yeah
1: I didn't I really didn't know yeah who he was Mm -hmm. when I heard about it Mm -hmm. I actually thought it was um Macklemore
0: oh okay 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 because yeah. the, names were the names are similar. So similar.
1: Mm-hmm. Um so, but I had to look it up, um, to see, you know, who it was. Mm-hmm. But, you know, just a sad
0: case. Yeah. Yeah. And nothing else to really add. Yeah, definitely. It's just really sad and like I mean, just you know, fits with what we already have talked about right. a little bit with like people in somebody who's struggling circle just being brave enough to speak up, um and to say something and
1: And, you know, sometimes, especially in the um, area of substance Mm use, they may, you know, they may not be ready.
0: Right. You know. To make a change or admit to a problem. Right, right, right. right. Yeah. So, obviously, you know, our thoughts are with Mac Miller's family and friends. um, But I hope that the lesson that any of us could take from this is to, you know, really, really be... um, Mindful around, you know, what our family and friends are going through that maybe lead to some of the maladaptive behaviors mm. like drug use, like substance use, alcohol, whatever, um, to be able to help before it becomes too late. And so, um, I hope that this week's pop psych moment of the week maybe just helps us to be more vigilant about our own self care as well. Mm. You know, mm. what are you doing to to check how you're coping? with the challenges that life throws at you. So that is our pop psych moment of the week. And next up, we have our small talk bookshelf. So this is always where I share with you guys what I'm reading. Sometimes it fits really well with what we're talking about, sometimes it doesn't. This week, uh, kinda, kinda not. Um, I currently, and I haven't finished it yet, so I maybe shouldn't be talking about it, but it's what I'm reading and I just tell you guys whatever I'm reading at the moment. Um, is a book called Negro Land by Margot Jefferson, which is actually um, her memoir. And so she published it in 2015, and it basically walks you through a time where, um, and maybe people would say there's still a time like this, where there's sort of this stratified society based on skin color and socioeconomic status within um, Black American culture. So this mm. small privileged segment um, of black folks who are known in this time as sort of like the bourgeoisie of that era. So in understanding that from her perspective, she realized that it wasn't about actually the money piece of it or the access to the things that maybe they had that, you know, differentiated them from other folks of color or even other black folks. But it was more so this state of mind of thinking that they were different or better Um, Because of the level of maybe access that they had to money, to jobs, to education. Um, And so it's been really interesting to read because it made me start thinking about just like comparison and how comparison can create division, obviously among certain groups, but even within yourself. So, you know, comparison is pretty, pretty nasty trait to sort of have that can lead to major mental health issues as well because you feel like you're not being yourself or you're not living up to some standard that's not even you and so being able to really figure out how to sort of get past that I think is like important and so she talks about sort of this concept and when we think about like the black bourgeoisie um is this idea of like the blue vein society and the brown paper bag society where literally you were denied access to certain like social clubs and organizations based on you know how light you were of a black person because that was closer to whiteness and Mm -hmm. so again i obviously there's a, a huge race component there but i think what i am taking from it is sort of this idea around when we're thinking about wellness, you know, where do you stop comparing yourself to a standard that in most cases, none of us can ever like meet. So, you know, mm-hmm. social media does it to us. Reality TV does it mm-hmm. to us. Um, magazines, movies give us images. And this is for people of all races and all genders and everything. Put you in a place where you feel like you have to be something that, You just weren't ever meant to be. And so you end up living in this place of like constantly seeking approval and maybe never getting it, which then leads to what we did talk about today is sort of those feelings of being isolated from groups that you think you should be involved Mm -hmm. in or feeling anxious about being around people that you feel like you don't fit in well with. Um, and so obviously thinking about what that can look like if it leads to more difficult issues, obviously we would hope it wouldn't end up with what we've talked about today, but that, that was definitely on some of those risk factors, you know, that we talked about earlier, just thinking of that long list of things that can lead to somebody feeling like that. And so, um, I'm not done with it yet. Maybe I'll come back when I'm finished with it and have more thoughts about it, but, um, I thought it was interesting and I thought it fit well with what we talked about today going beyond just the general message of it's talking about skin color, but like it's, it's this sort of comparison to the ideal and the ideal is so ambiguous because there is no such thing. Um, but we all in our minds or at some point in our lives have had some ideal image that we felt like we've needed to meet. And for a lot of people of color, it could be around skin tone, but it could also be around hair, around body type. Yes. Um. So, again, we could have a whole other podcast episode probably about that too. Right, right. But so, yeah. So, Gwynette, any thoughts? I know you haven't read the book yet either, and no, I'm not done, but any but thoughts about I that? I think
1: I'm going to try to get that mm-hmm. and take, you know, re- add it to my bookshelf. To your bookshelf, right. As yes, it sounds like a very interesting and good read yeah
0: so i'm just starting it but it has been interesting and obviously because we can't turn our mental health brains off i'm probably seeing way more into it than anybody else would analyze Um, everything uh uh-huh so um but if you know people are looking for something to add to your bookshelf negro land by Margot jefferson great read um and great opportunity to think very differently about how we even look at one another um, in this sort of like comparison game of life, where people are trying to keep up with each other. So, okay. Um, and then I want to make sure that we also give our guest time to share resources that she might have that could be added to your bookshelf as well um, around our topic today, too. So, Gwinnett, what you got?
1: Yes, I have two uh, resources. Uh, one is for Um, Individuals who Are surviving The suicide of a loved one Mm -hmm. So if they lost someone um, By suicide And the name of this uh, Book is No Time to Say Goodbye, Surviving The Suicide of a Loved One By Carla Fine Mm -hmm. And you can find it on Amazon and I'm sure You can go to Barnes and Noble Mm -hmm. And all of your Book places, um, book places. Mm-hmm. Um, But I think that That's important um, And there it's also A population that some People don't think about mm-hmm. As well
0: Yeah we forget about those folks
1: Right right And um, also another uh, thing I, I found out uh, through my research Is that um, The suicide rate Of the person's The loved one's who've lost people by suicide it, it increases their risk mm. of suicide of committing suicide yeah mm-hmm. so that I thought that that was um, yeah. interesting. Very interesting and so there are a lot of resources um, for survivors of the loved ones who mm-hmm. died by suicide, by suicide. as yeah. well Yeah. And also, um, I saw, this is a video guide, though. Um, it's for um, suicide attempt survivors. Mm-hmm. And so it's just stories of hope and recovery. Um, I found this. This is, uh, was in 2012. So it's just a, a little video guide for suicide attempt survivors. And this can help um, an individual who may be having some suicidal ideations for them to hear uh, stores of hope yeah. and uh, recovery for those who have experienced or may have have had a failed uh, a failed attempt mm-hmm. um, So those are just some resources that I have found through you know my research. Yeah
0: well I hope that for those of you who are interested in learning more about this topic but also I love that um, they include sort of the like non-traditional, Parts of suicide the people that Suicide touches so mm-hmm. the people who have failed Attempts the family of those Who have successful attempts mm-hmm. um, And you know recognizing that It doesn't just touch one Person or one place you know like Everybody is susceptible To this being a part of like you know Your 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 world so Just being able to recognize That there are resources and forms of support For everybody um, Is critical and so I hope that You will also, especially for my clinicians out there I think that's two useful tools um, to add to your bookshelf But also for people who maybe fall into those categories Who are Mm -hmm. listening as well To add them to your bookshelf To learn more and to feel empowered by um, your survival As a result of what has taken place in your life So definitely consider adding those to your bookshelf So, folks, that brings us to the end of the show. We're done. I want to thank my very special guests one more time for being on the show and talking about this topic. Um, And so I hope that, you know, you'll come back again.
1: I would love to. I would love to.
0: Thank you for having me. Of course. Anytime. You're welcome on the couch. Anytime. Um, So, We're at the end of another episode for those of you who um, have questions as a follow up. So we didn't have any Ask Dr. LP questions for this week. Um, But as a result of this topic, I think we probably will get some. So if we do, please send them in. Um, If you have questions, even for Gwinnett, I will get them to her. And so she can answer them and I'll read them, read her responses on the show if you have those. Um, Being able to just make sure that we keep conversations like this going and don't um, sort of shut the door on them once. We hit stop on this recording um, Is important
1: Or once September is over Is over,
0: right Because this actually is our last episode For the month of September So um, being able to realize that Yes, this conversation can't stop with just the fact that we were sort of recognizing Suicide Prevention Month, but we want to be thinking about how can we prevent suicide all year long. So make sure you keep that conversation going with us, whether that's through the website, through social media, make sure you like, follow, subscribe, repost, whatever, all those things um, to keep in touch with us and to stay connected. And the next time I chat with you, we will be in the month of October and going into the last quarter of the year. So we have some good episodes lined up to get us closer to the end of the year. And we'll also be approaching our season finale. So we'll have more to come. Um, But thank you guys, as always, for listening. And we'll see you back again next time on the Emerald Couch.